Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's mentally yours from Ellen and a focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. Welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly podcast about all things mental health. I'm Ellen. And I'm Yvette. And this week we're going to be chatting to Sammy Nichols. She's an editor and writer and she's also the creator of the Talking About It hashtag. We're going to be chatting to her about life on the internet, staying sane on Twitter and her happy place away from social media. And before we get going on this episode, important thing to put in your planner right now is that we're doing our first ever event. It's a chat about mental health in the workplace and it's happening on the 11th of April. That's a Thursday at 7pm at High Street Kensington Waterstones. Our speakers are Natasha Devon, Dr. Pragya Agarwal, Carl Anker and Matthew Todd. See you there. Welcome to Mentally Yours. Thanks very much for having a chat with us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. So you're best known probably online for the talking about it hashtag, first of all. Um, would you mind telling us a bit more about that and what inspired you to basically come up with that? Yeah. Uh, so back in 2015, I was living on my own and I just moved to a new city and I didn't really know anyone there. I didn't. I, I was a freelance writer, so it's not like I had an office to go to. Uh, and the only person I really knew was my boyfriend who... Um, at the time, who wasn't that great. So I was very uh, down in the dumps all the time. But that's that's actually a, probably a more pejorative way to say that I was very depressed mm-hmm. uh, and I couldn't get out of bed. And I found that uh, I just had uh, problems with really functioning like a normal human. It took me so long to be able to get up, get a shower, uh, make lunch. And so I was scrolling through my Twitter at one point. I was just laying in bed. And I was thinking, it was really kind of 
self-hating thoughts of why can't I get up? Why can't I, you know, just be a normal person? And I saw somebody uh, who I followed on Twitter tweeting about how she hadn't got up either, but she had had a cold all day. So she had been just laying and lying on her couch, uh, watching the Hallmark Channel. And she it was kind of like a self-joking sort of tweet. And I thought, you know, it seems kind of ridiculous that I can't say outwardly in the same, same sort of like joking, but also very true manner that I can't get up because I have anxiety uh, and I have depression. And so I realized that I'm also very privileged in that I can talk about these things and my family knows. I mean, I've been the most anxious person ever. They've seen it. Uh, so I and I realized also I'm a freelance writer, so I can talk about these things openly without really worrying about um, any repercussions. So I figured I might as well talk about this sort of thing openly because maybe there are other people who are also lying on their couch unable to really function uh, for the same reason. So I started tweeting um, saying, uh, I'm going to start talking openly about my mental health with the hashtag talking about it. Uh, feel free to join in um, and just started kind of every day telling myself that I'm going to be open about it, whether it's a good day or a bad day. And at first, just a few friends uh, chipped in and it was really lovely at first because I got so much support. I suddenly didn't feel alone anymore. Uh, all these conversations were opened up and then people uh, started joining in as well who I didn't know. And I actually started making friends through it and it just got a lot bigger than I could have imagined. Um, and yeah, it's a couple of years later and it's been still going strong. Yeah, it's fantastic that you did that. And um, I think a lot of our listeners will be able to relate to that sort of initial time that you're talking about, you know, ex um, experiencing depression, not being able to get out of bed and all that sort of stuff. Um, when you had that sort of first brainwave in terms of um, coming up with a hashtag and going on Twitter, um, were you scared at all? Because um, even though more people talk about mental health sort of these days, it's still... You know, there's still stigma attached to it. We, yeah. Was there scared? Was Sorry, was there fear around it? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I still am. Um, I definitely was. I still get that pang of nerves after I do it. Uh, a lot of times I feel like, you know, I'm being too much or uh, that I'm sharing too much. I get that familiar feeling of oversharing anytime, which, you know, that that's partially anxiety. Uh, sometimes when I just share something normal about myself, I think, oh, I said too much. They didn't want to know that. But really tweeting something about your anxiety, about your depression, about PTSD or whatever you're dealing with, um, because it is so stigmatized, it can bring that feeling about of just uh, feeling like you are uh, oversharing. And I still get that those pangs. But a lot of times the response is so great that uh, I feel like that that goes away pretty quickly. Mm. Uh, like last week, I just tweeted a thread about OCD, which I hadn't really gone um, in detail with OCD before. And I realized that that was kind of doing a disservice to myself uh, because I had been kind of ignoring my OCD in particular. And immediately after, I almost deleted the entire thread because I was just like, this is too much. I, I shouldn't have said all this. Um, but it's something that it goes away within half an hour. And uh, people really engaging in the conversation with people is really what makes that go away. What kind of responses do you get? Uh, it depends on the topic, but a lot of times it's just very kind people who are saying, you know, I was there last week, you're not alone. Uh, sometimes people will share the tweet in a DM and say, I've been going through the same thing, but I don't want to talk about it openly because I'm not ready, which is perfectly okay. I mean, there are folks who uh, actually end up creating anonymous accounts so they can share about it because they aren't in the position where they can talk about it, whether it's their employer or their family, or they're just not ready. Um, but a lot of times it's around the lines of, I've been dealing with this too. Thank you. Um, which is really great. And I've actually, I've responded to a lot of folks as well on 
on Twitter um, when I'm looking through. The, I try to go through the hashtag every day and I try to um, fave as many of the tweets as I can just to let them know that there's somebody like out there mm. uh, thinking good things about them. Um, but there's sometimes when people will tweet and I respond to it like this is exactly what I needed to hear. This is I, I didn't even realize I needed to hear it until this moment. Um, so it's usually it's usually just uh, support. That's the thing. I mean, this hashtag has become a huge movement, hasn't it? Loads of people all around the globe have got involved in it, which is fantastic. Um, have you ever felt the pressure of it, though, in terms of um, having to support people? Has, has that sort of made you anxious in any way? Or have there ever been times when you've had to sort of maybe pass it on to other services? Because it's a big thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 really tricky because I am not a therapist. I am not a medical professional, uh, and sometimes I think that people, because I'm talking about my own anxiety, my own experiences, I think sometimes people can reach out and uh, very very well meaning, but will you know say some really intense things that I don't feel at liberty to respond to them about because I'm not a therapist. I don't have that background and I don't feel like I can do them justice. And I'm always very afraid that I will, you know, make it worse somehow. Um, there are some times when it, some, some folks can send some, um, pretty intense things they're dealing with. And I just have to send them love and also send them some resources because I'm just not equipped to handle that. And there can be some times when it can be a little bit much where there's, I'm getting a lot of responses at once, but sometimes I just have to sit back and uh, take some time for myself and then go back to them later. And I think that people are almost always extremely understanding about that. Mm. Do, you, do you have sort of particular like barriers in place, like in terms of the amount of social media time that you, you have, basically, because it's, you know, it's, it's become such a big movement and it is a great thing and I can see why you'd want to be checking it every day. But at the same time, um, yeah, do you, do you have sort of certain times that you just sort of check or is it just a more sort of fluid thing in terms of how you're feeling that's yeah that's something that I'm still grappling with um I found that I've been a little bit too online and not not even in terms of talking about it but in terms of I mean I'm sure you guys know that there's some crazy stuff happening in the United States right now mm. um so politics can be a little bit overwhelming and so in general I've just been trying to log off a little bit more than usual um but with talking about it I try to um go through it when I'm in a good mental space. When I'm really down, I try not to, well, it depends, I guess, uh, because sometimes I'll go through it when I am really down. It actually makes me feel a lot better, but I don't want to actively engage with it when I'm really not doing well, because it can at times make it a little bit harder. So it's been something where I have been trying to put some measures in place, but uh, it's hard to stick to, especially because a lot of my livelihood is tied around the internet and Twitter and all that stuff. It's it's a whole messy thing. <laughs> How do you protect your mental health with that? Because I think, you know, Yvette and I are similar. We have to be on the internet. We have to be reading the news. Mm -hmm. How do you make sure that that's not becoming overwhelming for you it's that is again something I'm still grappling Same. with it's it's like yeah it's like a week-to-week -week thing or some weeks I'm like I love the internet I love Twitter and then the next week it's like oh my god this is a trash fire like I feel awful so it really does depend um I try to when I feel myself uh just doing like the infinite scrolling and panicking over every little tweet and comparing and like just these uh sorts of uh responses that I can feel my brain doing that are just not healthy. I try to put down my phone, maybe even put on airplane mode during particularly intense moments and just like watch an episode of something that makes me feel more comfortable like Grey's Anatomy for example. I'm a huge Grey's Anatomy fan was literally just watching it a little bit before this call. Uh, so I try to like make a safe space for myself. Um, and safe space, I feel like is thrown around a lot. Uh, but 
for me, it just means having like a comfortable, cozy area where I can just hang out with my cat and try to unplug. Um, but it's easier said than done, especially when your phone is suddenly sending you horrific news alerts. I'm surprised that Grey's Anatomy is what relaxes you. Because for me, you'll always watch it and be like, okay, this person has an unusual illness. This is exactly what I have. And if I go to a hospital, then all these terrible things will happen. <laughs> that's extremely fair. And that's that's the wild thing, right? Like we all have our own specific triggers that really get to us. And for me, I've always been fascinated with medical stuff. I've always uh, been into the medical soapy dramas too. So I love it, but I totally, I have friends who are like, I could never watch that show. It just, I would constantly think I'm sick I've just never time. even seen it, to be honest. It's good. It's good show, <laughs> but it is, you know, intense. same as like if you watch House. Just if you have oh, I like kind House. of like, I like yeah, House. House. But that's because House is more like sort of a detective House. kind of show. And also it's Hugh Laurie, who I also just yeah, love Hugh generally. Great. He's great. But in general, if you have like a health anxiety specific thing mm. I wouldn't recommend any of these shows because mm. you will be like yes this extremely <laughs> yes. rare condition that they've just explained never happens is yeah. definitely what's causing my headache right now oh my god absolutely I, I I don't have any health specific sort of thing but I have a few friends who are like would I like this no, stay like, away <laughs> no stay far away <laughs> um, Sammy are you all right to tell us a bit more about your own sort of personal experiences of mental health so you've kind of touched on sort of depression um, and anxiety and also you mentioned in there OCD when were you first affected um, by mental health issues? Mine have been always kind of tangled up in one another and that like one is uh, one sort of thing that I deal with triggers another one which triggers another one and it's been a little bit hard to untangle them and figure out mm. what is what. So for my whole life I've had um, anxiety attacks and I've uh, been deeply anxious about certain situations. I couldn't go to sleepovers as a kid, for example, because I would panic at night when I couldn't sleep and somebody would need to come get me. So I just avoided them completely. Uh, I couldn't go in certain social situations. I didn't really make very many friends. and was very quiet in class. Uh, I had always just had a sort of anxious, uh, life energy, I guess, because my mom was always just constantly concerned about me, constantly trying to calm me down. Um, so it's been kind of like a whole life thing, but I came from uh, rural Pennsylvania in the United States. And so it's very, uh, it's, it's not a place where, uh, at least at the time where you could really talk openly about mental health because people would automatically go to the crazy mm. route. Like there was, um, there wasn't really any way to get real treatment. Uh, the first time I ever saw a counselor was when I was in college. And that was only after one of my friends um, took his own life. So I, that was the first time when it even occurred to me that therapy was a thing and that I could talk to somebody about this and really untangle what triggers me, what upsets me instead of just avoiding everything. Uh, so it, really it was only in the past like five-ish years that I started uh really talking with doctors and finding out, okay, I have OCD, I have depression, I have anxiety. And these things, while they're related, they uh, are different elements of what I'm dealing with. And I need to kind of figure out uh, how they work mm. and how they and have you talked to your doctors at all about your online life and about this sort of huge sort of um, hashtag movement? Because I feel sometimes some medical professionals don't necessarily get Mm. the internet when you when you work in this sort of field um so yeah have you had any feedback from them about what they think about it i have yet to find a therapist who understands the nuances mm. of being online in general like I, I i have talked with them about it and told them what it is and they like the theory but i think that i think that uh, i did have one therapist who did express concern over what i had mentioned previously about um 
people talking about mental health without there being anybody who has mm-hmm. any medical experience, which is a very valid concern. But I really, most therapists I've had, they don't understand when I, when I specifically talk about my internet anxieties and, you know, some, this person tweeted this, they subtweeted me in this, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, they never understand what I'm talking about. Usually my therapists, my past several therapists have been, um, older a little bit and they don't really, um, they're, they've never had a Twitter account. And that's something that's really tricky, especially with, uh, millennials and Gen Z who they're living their lives online. And a lot of therapists don't even know how to touch that area, but it so deeply affects mental health, which is a big reason why I wanted to yeah, start talking absolutely. about it. Yeah, I'm place. sure lots of listeners can relate to that as well, just because like you say, especially sort of the younger people who, you know, basically half your life is online you know you make friends online you socialize online and yeah you're talking about mental mm-hmm. health stuff online um so yeah you you do really need sort of experts that understand that because i don't think some people understand just sort of how big a part of your life it can be i mean mm-hmm. just like from my own experience like writing things you could write something and then you get sort of nasty mm-hmm. comments and then you're sort of getting those comments via twitter for example or, or other social media um but it's sort of like they're it's almost like people are almost sort of standing right in front of you saying these things to you so it's yeah it's a it's a very unique time we're in at the mm. moment isn't it one of my reasons for quitting my therapist was because she did not understand the internet at all and especially when you're working on it she'd mm-hmm. be like oh just you know just close your close your laptop or like switch off your phone it's like i can't do that sharon like please this is important and she'd be like oh you know it's just um just numbers or like just clicks and it's like no this is literally like my livelihood please stop it's difficult. Mm. How do you think Absolutely. we can improve things, Sammy? Because um, right, obviously I mean, you've got a, a huge following on Twitter and sort of you know all about sort of this. Do you think there's anything in particular that Twitter itself could do um, in terms of, would you think it should change in any way or sort of get get better in any way at supporting people with mental health stuff? Well, I think the main thing that everyone's always talking about is that Twitter really needs to mm. handle its harassment issues. I think that it's very easy for Twitter to become an unsafe place for folks. If you, even if Even if somebody has like like a hundred followers, but if they, like, if, especially if it's a young woman or a non-binary person, if they tweet something that, uh, especially if it has to do with feminism or something along those lines that goes viral, it's so easy for it to suddenly be just these horrific people in your mentions telling you these extremely triggering things. And I remember I, I tweeted something, for example, um, it was after VOA came out on Netflix and they tweeted this video of the main character who we didn't know was the main character at the time. There was no context. She jumped off of a bridge and nothing, no explanation about it, nothing at all. And I tweeted at them saying, this is a very triggering thing to tweet Mm -hmm. to your millions of followers, because if you don't give any context, if you're just tweeting a video to your very impressionable followers of a woman Mm -hmm. jumping off the bridge, that's awful. And immediately I started getting these horrible tweets at me, just like death threats. And uh, it was it was awful. And I, I could barely even log on. But I had to log on because at the time I was night editor of Esquire. So I had to be like this all happened when I was on my shift, like checking news, uh, writing up posts every hour. So I couldn't log off, but I was getting these really horrible messages all the time. And I tried reporting a few of them and Twitter said that, uh, they were not, uh, out of the bounds mm. of their guidelines, the classic which response. is pretty ridiculous. And exactly. And I would like to, that was a couple of years ago. So I would like to think that it's been better since, but really it doesn't seem like it has been based on tweets that no, it's seen. very frustrating I think mm. sort of especially uh, women online you can sort of get all kinds of nasty stuff like you say death threats or you know rape threats all kinds of things mm-hmm. um, you know there's like half of me sort of thinks 
you know, I'm all for free speech so people can say what they want. But then on the other hand, it's, you know, I mean... It's a line. <laughs> well, there is, well, there is a line, first of all. You know, first of all, why are people wanting to sort of say all these dreadful things in the first place? But also, you know, like... Um, there are sort of particular laws like you wouldn't you wouldn't make threats to people you know by a letter or so it seems like making them online seems to be less serious or taken less mm. seriously it's yeah it's just a lack of protection as well like i think yeah. what you were saying about your reporting and then you it's being sort of like oh they're not viola- violating the guidelines it's like they literally told me they want me to die like what mm. <laughs> what are your guidelines <laughs> right exactly and that's that's what makes me uh that, that's what there's some barriers to talking about it when it's possible for you to get mm. death threats and twitter not do anything about it like if you tweet something that with with talking about it or without talking about it if you tweet something about your mental health and it gets a lot of traction it's possible that some really horrible people out there will take advantage of that and then bully you or harass you in some way and take advantage of your vulnerability mm-hmm. that you're bravely sharing uh, and i think that that's a very very large reason why a lot of people are afraid to mm-hmm. talk openly about their mental health you've been doing talking about it for four years now which which feels like a uh, long time yeah, i think so I feel like you must have kind of seen how mental health conversation has changed online. How do you think it's changed if you do? And what do you think needs to happen next? Yeah, I think I think at first it was really trying to or folks are really trying to find their grounds of like, oh, this is something I really can talk about. And they were just kind of exploring the area. And there's a lot of talk of also, I mean, Right. There was a lot of brands who were jumping on it, like self-care, bubble baths, that sort of thing. Uh, but I think more recently, it's at least uh, from what I've seen, it's taken more of a dire sort of tone because of the how the world has been, how politics have been, how different legislation has been uh, changing and directly directly affecting folks with mental health and uh, folks of different communities. And I think it's kind of taken on a different form. Um, it feels like it's more intense and more like, okay, we need to talk about these sorts of things openly because we need to change the world that we're living in because it is not going in a good yeah, direction. Yeah, 100%. I definitely feel that kind of shift in, yeah, even just on yeah. Twitter, you can really tell the difference. And in the US for you guys especially I do not envy your situation but just, even in the UK too like. yeah I just feel like there's a, just a kind of a, there's, there's just a base level of anxiety really yeah. whether you have sort of diagnosed mental health long-term mental health issues or not I just think that everybody's a bit more on edge completely understandably because of the political situations we're in um, and the environment and, and the all environment. the other horrible yeah. stuff going wrong Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, even if when you're having a really good mental health day, you can think, oh, man, I feel Mm kind of guilty for being happy right now because there's so many bad things happening. And there's so like you log on to Twitter and see all these horrible things happening. You're like, oh, man, okay, now I'm now I'm back at that base level level of anxious Mm. on a more positive note, because, you know, we don't always want to talk about miserable politics of the world ending. What's your kind of like happy place on the Internet? Because I think talking about it has kind of created that for a lot of people. But where do you go on the internet if you're like, I just want to be joyful for a bit? That's a good question. I think it used to be that there were certain platforms where it'd just be nice to kind of peruse. But I feel like now it's more like certain people, like certain uh, Twitter accounts that are really lovely to go on, like certain parody accounts. Or like there's also um, just like people who are tweeting really fantastic and fun things like Nicole Cliff, for example. I adore her and she keeps tweeting these 
fantastically funny questions all the time. And it's just like, it, it reminds me of why it was nice to be on Twitter in the first place, why people loved being on the internet in the first place. And even like the early days of before Twitter, like way back when I was on Neopets, for example, making friends through virtual nonsensical pets. Um, I think that a lot of times the places that I find the most happiness in the internet are just the places where people are just really letting all their nerd stuff shine where they're just nerding out about topics that they love, uh, whether that's something as specific as like a certain show or like a beauty product. Um, it's, it's kind of tricky though, because it used to be where you could go to a certain platform and now it is kind of finding like and picking out your favorite communities, like the, my favorite murder podcast. I love going on all of their little communities and that sort of thing. And what about offline? What do you need to make sure that you are feeling good away from the internet and away from Twitter and all of these things? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I've honestly put a lot of work recently into making my bedroom uh, very cozy. I've done the whole Marie Kondo sort of thing, and I've started buying myself fresh flowers uh, from like the stand near my apartment uh, every week, and just like hanging out with my cat, like really making my little space um, that I have here as peaceful as I possibly can. Uh, I've realized that, that has completely changed how I viewed everything because I feel like I have like a stable place, like a foundation where I, this is my little haven and then I will leave it when I choose to leave it and then be the best person I can be. That sounds lovely. Like mm. your own little retreat. It does yeah. make a difference. Yeah, It really does. And there's all these small little things you can do. And I feel like this is just starting to sound like like a, a Pinterest ad or something, <laughs> but, but like there's all these little do it yourself sort of things you can do. And it just, to, and like just buying like little decorations that make you happy whenever you look at them, that has been something that is, it sounds so silly and almost a little vapid, but uh, it's been something that I've been really focusing on this year because I realized that I didn't feel like I could take up space before. I just kind of had my room with my stuff thrown in it and I didn't really worry about uh, how I organized that stuff. I didn't really worry, worry about how I felt in that room. And I realized I had like an epiphany of like, oh, I deserve to take up space and I deserve to make this space my own. And it really changed the way I thought. I'm sure the cat helps as well. Yeah. Yes, she is sitting uh, right <laughs> next to me in like this little ball. It's very cute. Yeah, nice place to live and cat is basically the formula for like, okay, things are going to be a lot better now. Yes. <laughs> If you've been affected by any of the issues we discussed today, please contact the Samaritans on 116-123 or go to the website at samaritans.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast, come and chat to us on social media. You can find us on Twitter. We're at Mentally Yours with YRS. Also, we have a really lovely Facebook group called Mentally Yours. Thanks very much to our producer this week, Juliet Nichols, and to Lucy Baker for the jingles. See you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.